I'm Josh Turpin. Each week, we take small bites out of a big question. And we're going to start this week's episode off with a little story from All That Matters producer Chris Chang and Phillips, which first aired on the Herd Docs in 2014. Have a listen. Today, I've decided to solve a mystery. For years, I've watched cats leisurely wander through yards in a street while the same man stands against a nearby tree or a light pole just watching them, which raises a lot of questions about the cat and this guy. Who is he? Where does he come from? What is his arrangement with these cats? Lately, the situation has escalated, and I'm intent on finding out who this guy is. Luckily for me, almost all of my neighbors are nosy in a detached sort of way. The neighbors are right. We've got a maniac to find. I am on the trail of Cat Guy. Do you know who this guy is who walks his cat? The second I step outside my door, I catch my neighbor Kelly pushing a stroller on her way to drop off a book for me. I do not know the cat walker, but I saw a woman walking a cat the other day. Oh, okay. And it was quite suspicious. (laughs) You were wondering why she was walking? I wonder why anybody would walk a cat. Well, what I'm wondering is why this guy walks his cat in our neighbor's yard almost every day. Do you think he has permission? I don't know, because today he took a rain barrel. Do you think he's coming to your yard next? I don't know. Maybe he does already. Because if he is, we need a neighborhood watch. We might. And we'll all become the cat people. Strike one. My next stop is my neighbors, Kiwi and Richard. They've just had a baby, and I've been meaning to drop off a present anyway. It's the perfect cover to get some intel. Hi. Happy baby. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, man. Uh, the guy is right over here. I'm also doing this radio story today, and I'm wondering, um, do you guys know anything about Cat Guy? No. No. The guy who walks his cat? No. No? I'm worried things are heading south. I head across the street, but as I'm knocking on another friend's door, I hear this lawnmower starting up, and I'm irritated because it's going to mess up my recording. But then I turn around, and the guy pushing the lawnmower is Cat Guy. I was really curious, are, are you the guy that walks his cat? Yes. I've, I've always wondered where you lived, and I didn't realize that you lived right here. Where, where do you live? I'm in the yellow house. Oh, right yeah. Well, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, well, I'm glad to meet you, because I know there's sometimes I'm in the backyard there, and I'm kind of looking over the fence. I'm thinking, <laughs> if somebody's looking out, they're probably, probably wondering. That's accurate. I was watching out my kitchen window, and the one on my staircase, which has a better view and is also more hidden. Tell me the story about your, your cat. Three cats ago, I had one that uh, died from uh, antifreeze poisoning. Oh, God. Which was pretty ugly, so I swore after that that I wasn't going to let my cats out, but they always seemed to break me down and stuff, so yeah. So I take them out under supervision and, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you have like a a thing with Helen that her yard is better, so you, you you take your cats over there? Uh, well, it's just that, uh, that's, that, that house is about to be torn down. And so it's, it's empty, so they don't mind me going there. So, I guess I've learned two things today. Cat Guy, who is actually named Gordy and lives three houses away from me, has a semi-rational reason for walking his cat. And also, I don't just live in a nosy neighborhood, I am a nosy neighbor. Whether they're cat guys or noisy window watchers, neighbors are always going to be there, doing their thing, right next door to you. This week, all that matters, we're asking, do you know your neighbors? 
We'll have a look at a long-standing Edmonton institution whose business is all about full exposure, but that we here at All That Matters nevertheless knew basically nothing about. But first, well, Josh, why don't you explain? In the summer months, Edmonton has a plethora of festivals to attend. How does the city of festivals keep its neighbors happy? To, ask, to answer this question, I hit the block to talk to Folkfest neighbor Marilyn and talk in studio with Terry Wickham, producer of the Edmonton Folk Festival, about what they do to keep their neighbors smiling. How long have you lived here? I've lived here 19 years. 19 years. So that means you've seen a folk festival every single year? I have. And how do you feel about them? I love it. It's a great festival. It's uh, great people. They very, don't interrupt our neighborhood all that much. They're very considerate, at least the folk festival organization as a whole, and met great people. Even helped provide some shelter for some people that were caught in a downpour that was, was it last year or the year before, the last night? So we find that it's, uh, it, I mean, it's a bit inconvenient with the parking and things like that, but we're, you know, we're given some compensation in essence in terms of our access to the festival. But I uh, love the festival, love the music. I go every year. I do, every day. Every day of the festival, and sometimes when they have the Wednesday night, we as a community vote whether we'll enable them to have a Wednesday night. And we've, I believe, every time we've had the vote, have uh, graciously accepted for them to do that. Because they do it, if I'm not mistaken, as a, as a fundraising evening. So absolutely, yes, we support it. That was Marilyn and her take on the Edmonton Folk Festival. She's lived within two blocks of the festival for 19 years. Here's Terry Wickham, producer of the Edmonton Folk Festival in the studio today. And we ask him what his thoughts are about the festival and the neighbors that surround it. Now, Terry, in recent months, the City Council of Sturgeon canceled the Boonstock Festival due to excessive partying, excessive noise, excessive drinking, and excessive garbage. Now, how has the Edmonton Folk Festival withstood the test of time? Well, you know, when you do the same thing in the same place for 35, 36 years and you do it with the same people, you kind of get to know how to do it and you you look for constant improvement. There's a, you know, that's really what the answer is in all areas. So, you know, if there's 36 or 40 different crews, you know, if, if 38 of them are working, working well, then you work on the two that aren't. And... Um, you know, it's been a really great collective effort. It's it's all about community. It's all about sharing. It's two and a half thousand people donating their time. Uh, you know, a very experienced staff now. We have many people with more than 20 years experience on staff. Um, and, you know, great support from, you know, governments and uh, businesses. Uh, you know, keep the ticket price low. Let kids in for free. Uh, you know, half price for teenagers. You know, $22. Uh, $22 for seniors. If seniors don't have money, they can phone me and we'll get them in. We won't let you know, economics stand in the way there, um, you know, because $22 to some people is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you've always got the chance to volunteer, uh, if you, you know, if you can't make the ticket price, and it's, a, I'm told, a great experience. Each year in the community, there's loud music, thousands of people, and tons of traffic. What is your take on how the neighbors feel about it? Well, there's quite a few people that don't like folk music. Um, however, a lot of them haven't experienced it. So one of the things we did, you know, from day one, um, we invited the neighbors in and they get in for free. Um, so more than buying their loyalty, I think they've become fans of it. Not everybody. I think our, our approval rate down there would probably run around 80%, which is pretty good. Yeah, some people, pretty some good. people, you know, um, you know, some people go away on that weekend. I get it. I think more to the point, we're, we're probably in imposition for quite a few weeks because it takes us a few weeks to set it up and it takes a couple of weeks to take it down. 
it's not a very well-used park in terms of sports or anything like that. Uh, but what we do is, as folk people, we return the park in the same condition that we got it. We've had a consistent dialogue with the community. For instance, the last piece of land that gets fenced off is the playground for the kids. And the first thing that's opened on, on Monday morning is the playground for the kids. And there are things you learn over the years. Um, you know, as I say, the free tickets, but we you know we try and finish on time. We we work with them on parking and all sorts of issues and how we distribute the passes. Um, you know, it's it's a, you know it's a pretty win-win situation. You know, we're lucky to have a big hill so we can let. You know, that's you know five hundred weekend passes is probably a hundred thousand dollars worth of tickets we're giving away to the community, mm-hmm. and you know we don't really consider it giving away. You know, they're they're part of the event. Um, and if someone complains, we try and react. If someone, you know, someone's parking outside their house all the time, we tell our crews, you know, like, hey, you know, there's too many people parking there. And we've moved meetings away from the site on into different places around town. So there aren't people coming in every night for, you know, big crews with different meetings. I mean, our security crew might have 200 people at the meeting, you know, or 150 mm-hmm. or so. So, we, you know, over time, we've learned a lot of strategies. We are in a position, we do everything to uh, minimize that and ameliorate any kind of concerns that the uh, community would come up with. All that matters hit the blocks near the Edmonton Folk Festival. We found Marilyn in her garden. Have you heard of any complaints about the festival in the neighborhood? You know, years ago when there was, uh, you know, when it was newer, the festival was newer, there were some issues I, that I'd learned from some of my neighbors where people might have been uh, urinating on their yard or doing some silly stuff like that. But since then, they've got porta potties out, they have the lineups away from where the neighbors are, so there's no camping out on the street. The festival's done a lot of good things in concert with the community. I know we have a liaison from our community league that sits with uh, the folk festival, and that is a, a good thing so we work collaboratively because this is a perfect amphitheater venue in the center of the city Uh, so I think that uh, the past complaints were just in the past I haven't heard of any recent. Edmonton is sort of known as the the festival city but what do you guys do for local bands that are trying to you know make it big because they're under the shadow of of all these great festivals? You know, I look at talent as, you know, you drop a stone in a pool and it's a, it's a folk world. So, you know, the first place you hit is Edmonton and then you hit Alberta and then you hit Canada. I would say Alberta is local first, Canada is national and then we look internationally. We don't cover every continent on the world very well, but we've done very well in Europe and Africa and North America smatterings in other parts of the world um, but for instance we're, we're a sponsor of what used to be uh, U22 is now School of Song and we sponsor them for a year round situation and we always book artists there and um, you know we, you know, whether it's Marco Claveria or uh, Bill Bourne you know we're you know, always bringing in a you know, good selection of um, you know Edmonton and Alberta artists who can hold their own with the best What's your favorite band? Oh wow, that's a really good question because regardless of who's headlining or who is special and I've learned about a lot of great musicians here, I always pick up CDs from bands I'd never heard of before this event. So I don't look at necessarily who's playing and who I'm looking forward to, although this year I'd have to say Monsters and Men and there are but there are other groups that I had never heard of before and I've got their CDs and I'm now a loyal follower of uh, Royal Wood is another one. I could go on and on. There's so many great musicians and, and songwriters that are here. One thing that I've learned in research about the festival is that they are very good at adapting to the community. What do you think about that? I think they've been very responsive 
for any issues that we have brought to their attention and I know that even things that weren't really related to the community but they've adapted for example they used to have the lineups the for the tarp runs both the bottom and the top of the hill and obviously coming from the top of the hill there were some safety issues so they now managed to do that in a different area and they walk the people through the ravine and so that we're all coming in at the lower level and not coming down a steep embankment that's an, exa an example of adapting and I think they've also dealt with having uh, more access for emergency vehicles through here in terms of rock blocking some parking off on some streets because it can be very congested and if you had an emergency medical or otherwise you wouldn't want that to impede them from getting the, tri you know, the right kind of attention so I think they've adapted and learned and they've been very cooperative with our community from what I've noticed and, and from the people that I know that have been on the executive. Well, thank you, Marilyn, so much for talking with all that matters at CJSR. Awesome. Thank you for asking. What should people expect when they come to the Folk Festival? What are the general vibes of the, of the grounds? Well, they should expect to have a great time. They'll see lots of fit people. They'll see all age ranges you'll run into people you haven't seen in years i would say if it's your first time down what you'd i would hope you would expect more than anything else is great music but there'll also be excellent food great beer crafts um you know camaraderie uh there's a few more lineups than we'd like but it's inevitable when we get that crowd you know if, if a lot of people are paying in we can keep the price lower mm -hmm. uh, and we are very cheap you know even compared to say interstellar rodeo we're a lot cheaper and we go for a day longer for instance so that's a credit to our volunteers and how mm -hmm. long we've been doing this and getting all the shortcuts and sponsorship etc um you know what to expect i think what to expect more than anything else is that if you've never been there we're going to change your mind about what folk music is well that's a good place to end it thanks a lot terry thanks joshua thanks to neighbor Marilyn and terry wickham for speaking with me. Edmonton Folk Festival starts Thursday. Don't miss it. You're listening to All That Matters from CGSR 88.5 FM. I'm Kay Rollins. And I'm Josh Turpin. All That Matters tells stories about arts and culture in Alberta. Every week, we try to take a few small bites out of a big question. This week, we're asking, do you know your neighbors? And for this next story, the All That Matters team took a little field trip to a place that has been around for a long time, but that none of us had ever been to before. And that place was... The Strip Club! Yep. Edmonton's oldest strip club, Chez Pierre. Now, Josh, I know you're new to Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, but growing up here, I remember seeing and wondering about Chez Pierre even when I was really little because it has that huge south-facing mural uh, of Pierre with sunglasses and a fedora. He's got like a wine glass in his hand and he's making some hand gestures that always remind me of Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Uh, <laughs> and so if you're driving north on 105th Street, you, you really can't miss it. It's, it's pretty iconic. Yeah, it's pretty eye-catching, actually. I think it's Gina Hackman. Uh, it's been <laughs> around for 45 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a pretty long-standing neighborhood, uh, if you ask me. Well, a pretty long-standing neighbor, yeah. So we thought, you know, this place is really part of the landscape and part of the community, and yet we don't know anything about it. I mean, out of the five of us that went, I think you were the only person who'd ever been to a strip club before. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, that's true. <laughs> but you did go with three women and a queer man, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty controversial form of entertainment these days, uh, even for the target demographic. And Chez Pierre has had a pretty colorful history of controversy since the doors have opened. And now to talk about Chez Pierre, 
uh, when the door is opened. All that matters, here's Sarah Cambo Alpha Zema. I just have a quick question for you, actually. I'm quite curious. What are you doing out here, just sitting across from Chez Pierre at, what church is this? Uh, this is a Presbyterian uh, church. Uh, which particular Presbyterian uh, church? I'm not too sure. I'm not even religious. Uh, but I'm just collecting all my things because I'm about to go run off to that little fire up in uh, Grand Prairie. Actually, I would say architecturally, this church is about a hundred. This is, church is a very good church to represent Edmonton as it is probably exactly the same age as Edmonton, probably a hundred years or-ish, give or take 10, 10 or 15 years. That's Michael Espy. He was sitting outside of the First Presbyterian Church right across from Chez Pierre. So we asked him why he thought about the strip club and if he's ever gone. I'm too kind to actually say they're bad, but at the same time, I'm not going to happily go back and watch somebody's willingness to exploit themselves or allow others to exploit them. Uh, in all fairness, in all fairness, I'll fully and completely admit I'm a complete and utter pervert because I did happily go there. But I don't want to go there again in order because I understand exactly where probably 40 to 50% of those young ladies are coming and going from and to. Which is? A past of sorry, mm, exploited past that probably in all fairness would be better off seeing a therapist than a stripper pole they just chose the wrong type of therapist they thought a stripper pole would be their therapist that's all after speaking to Michael Espy on the steps of the Presbyterian First Church, we crossed the street and entered Chez Pierre with the rest of the group. Kay and Chris interviewed Jesse Koshar, the manager, who is also Pierre's grandson, to hear the history of this place and its relation to its neighbors. So, yeah, so, um, can you tell me a little bit about this place? Um, yeah, well, it's been in my family uh, 45 years. So, uh, a long history. I've been here for about eight. Yeah, my grandfather opened it back in the 70s when there was uh, no nudity at all in Edmonton. You know, it was totally, totally a new thing. Uh, it shocked a lot of people. It surprised a lot of people. Uh, I, a lot of people didn't like it. So, you know, there was lots of protests around it. There was, there was lots of people trying to uh, shut him down. And you know what? He was able just to persevere because I think he, you know, he's such an honest man. Um, he was always straight up and said, this is, you know, a business for adults. And it's just adults having, you know, enjoying adult entertainment. What's it like to have a grandfather who, who did this and who does this for, has done it for so long? Uh, I guess the one word would be unique. <laughs> 
Um, you know, he's such a he's such a cool man. I'm, I'm very lucky, and I just, I really appreciate having him in my life. Like he's, I've been able to learn a lot of lessons from him, you know, over the years, and he's just such a cool person. Like to this day, you know, even at 90 years old, he's always walking around. His you know. birthday was in June, right? Yeah, yeah, we had his party a couple weekends ago, and. Would you call this like your dream job? Um, now it is, yeah. I, I would say so. Um, I can't complain, that's for sure. What did you see yourself doing before you saw yourself doing this? I've always been interested in business. Uh, I've always been in business. I was actually, I was going to join the military. I was in cadets for years and years at Air Cadets and I was going to join the Air Force. And uh, something stopped me. I just, um, I was going to do it, and I just clicked, like, what am I doing? And uh, I went out to the old patch, I did that, and then I said, screw it, I'm going to go take my business school and get my degree. And, uh, you know, falling into this place, um, you know, now that we do have the liquor license and the place is where it needs to be, yes, it is my dream job. Did it take a lot of fucking work to get here? Yeah. Uh, me and my team, we worked our ass, we worked our fingers to the bone for three years, three years straight, and spent lots of money, and doing 12, 13, 14 hours a day just to get to this point. So yeah, it is my dream job now. I, I love. It. Like, what was the biggest problem during those three years that you had? What was the biggest challenge? You know what? It's just the the building was so old. Um, there was it just there was so much work that needed to be done. Nothing was to health code, nothing was to fire code. There was just there was so many little deficiencies that over the years, you know, you can't have extension cords plugging in all your lights. Everything has to be to code. Everything has to be easily cleanable. You know, our the old bar that we had here was close to 30 years old. It was it was rotten right out. So you know that with the carpet and then you know. Uh, piece of the ceiling you know, the list goes on and on and on in Edmonton like a lot of buildings get knocked down a lot of people move out of old buildings but do you think Shapier would be the same place if you moved location uh, yeah we could we could make it the same I mean I wouldn't want to move this location is amazing to be right on 105 Street to have all these cars coming up, you know, to have the building with the mural is such an icon in the city. You know, if we were to move, we wouldn't have the mural. Maybe I could do it somewhere else, but, you know, it, we, we could do it. We could do it elsewhere. We could do it on Jasper. You know, Shea Pierce was originally on Jasper. In the early 70s, it was above, it was above a Boston pizza on 106th Street Jasper Ave. So, you know, it would be cool, you know, you think of the future to go shape years back on Jasper. You know, that would be something we would consider. But no, we're not planning on moving anytime soon. Our location here is great. We had so much work put into it. You know, you can't beat the mural. You can't beat the location. We're quite happy here. Um, what's your relationship with, like, the community around here and, and the church across the street and all of that sort of thing? Um, well, with the community, I, I mean, the church, we don't really have a relationship. We keep quite to ourselves. We've never had any problem with them in the past. And, you know, 
within the last 10 years, they've never had any problems with us. Um, with the other bars in the area, we keep a very tight relationship. Uh, our security talks frequently. Um, any problems that arise in the city, if we see any vandals, if we see any crime, we definitely inform each other right away. So that, I mean, that's all about the communication. You have to have that communication with your community. Obviously, we have no residential around here. So, I mean, that's sort of a bonus for us, right? The closest thing we got is to a few hotels down the street and we have no relationship with them. But with the community, we just try to keep our area clean. We try to help people. I you know, I, I'm always out in the street. I'm giving people directions, you know. I'm, you know, helping out the homeless with water, stuff like that, you know. I try to get money away, but if anybody comes by and they're thirsty and they want a bottle of water, I have no problem running in and grabbing one for them. So, yeah, it's... We just, we just try to communicate with the people around us and you know, with the good communication comes good relationships. And I know that there was a time when when Shapier went through like a rocky period and relations with the police and stuff weren't so good. Did, did you have a lot to do with building that relationship and, and getting it on good standing? You know, it's, it's always sort of been rocky. Um, yeah, in the, in the past, little bit it's definitely gotten better because we've gotten better because we have been a little bit more vocal a little bit more this is what we're doing we're trying to do good it'll help us help you do or help us do good right um but you know like even even pierre had good relationships with people you know like yeah he might have he might have fought with the cops and the pastors in the day but at the same time a lot of the cops liked him still you know even though he might have charged charge stuff a lot of them liked him you know, and even though, uh, you know, the pastor or the priest or whatever might have fought him, but a lot of the people that were in that church didn't mind him, knew him, talked to him and liked to him because he's such a well-known figure. Everybody knew him. He was always driving around. He was always helping people. He was always talking to people. So, <laughs> no, no, that's what answered. <laughs> Yeah, that was the other guy. No, no, she's doing a show. That's what it is. Okay. So I'll introduce myself. I'm Sarah, you guys. Sarah? Yes. Okay. And I'm Sarah as well. Sorry, what was your name? Oh, I'm Candy Pie. I go by Candy Pie. Thanks to me too, because I, I like candy. I'm a pie for candy. Robert Redford. Robert, Robert Redford. Nice to meet you. I, I love this girl. <laughs> okay. We'll go with Lance. Lance? Yeah. Nice to you. What do you do, Lance? I'm a renovator, business owner. And how often do you come here? This is the first time. Honest truth. Our conversation with Lance and Candy Pie was as natural as making small talk with your neighbor across the street. Lance bought us a few drinks, so we sipped and chatted about the performances and his life in general. I learned a lot about him. He told me his father was a bishop in a church. He didn't specify which denomination, but he explained that he was brought up in a devout Christian household. He also told me a bit about his personal life, like how he was divorced and how going to strip clubs took his mind off of it. Lance was very open about about his views. Do you have any children? Yes. Do you happen to have a daughter? Yes. How would you feel about her doing this form of entertainment? I wouldn't like that. You wouldn't like it? No. I'm not surprised, but please explain. Um, I, I mean, there's, I don't think there's, like, you have to be a very, very strong woman 
I know there's a lot of women that go through college and take themselves through university and all the things of good things that that can they can make it. There's no question. Um, but I think that that is a, a very unique individual. I think in this type of industry that it's very easily to get wrapped into um, uh, a lifestyle that is not conducive to um, mother, like a good motherhood type of thing. I, I don't want to generalize, like I want to be careful. I, I, I just, um, it takes, I think it would take a very unique, individually uh, independent woman, strong, very strong. And I think if you looked at statistics and all that kind of thing, overall, um, it would be very difficult to stay on the so-called straight and narrow to... Thanks to everyone at Chez Pierre for talking to us for that story, and thanks to Sarah Campbell Fazema for putting it together. Well, that's all for All That Matters this week. Thanks to all this week's contributors, Chris Chang, Yen Phillips, Sarah Campbell Alphazema, Sarah C. Louise. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can email us at allthatmatters at cjsr.com or find us online at allthatmatters.wordpress.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at ATMCJSR. All That Matters is produced is a production of CJSR 88.5 in Edmonton. Our theme music is by Dokashitaro. Additional music this week by Roshin Murphy. I'm Josh Turpin. And I'm Kay Rollins. Thanks for listening. Thank you.